Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Rock Talk. In this episode, we have a very lovely guest, Samantha. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. So before we start, let's get into a little bit about you and what you do and what your passions are. Okay, well, uh, so I have many passions and I wear many hats. Uh, <laughs> my favorite hat after as Miss United States. And Woo! I actually work with women in aviation. So that's one of my big passions is advocating for women in male-dominated fields, particularly women in aviation. I'm the daughter of two international pilots, and they actually were my flight instructors when it came time for me to do my first solo. Oh, wow. So I've been surrounded with aviation my entire life. So a big part oh, of that gosh. is advocating for others and other young women who may not have the same opportunities that I was afforded. Wow, that's incredible. Wow. That's I just we can have the whole podcast be about that because I think that's like so incredible. <laughs> oh, everything like that. So let's dig into your pageants. So you are Miss United States and I wanted to ask you about that. So when did that start for you? I started in pageants about oh gosh, probably twelve years ago now. Um oh, wow. I started when I was twelve or thirteen, I wanna say, and actually in the National American Miss system. That was my very first pageant when I was an itty bitty child and just completely unconfident and I wore a twelve dollar dress. The alterations actually cost more than the dress itself and I walked on that stage probably looking like a giraffe oh. learning how to walk. <laughs> uh I just could not do it. And so after years of practicing and training and working with different coaches and getting better. Um, I stood on the Miss United States stage four times, once as a teen, as Miss Teen Arizona, once as Miss Vermont in 2018, just because I wanted to practice a little bit more. And I uh, then once as Miss Virginia 2019, and that year I made oh top gosh. 10. And wow. I was happy with that. <laughs> and know. then in 2021, last October, I guess in October, just about two months ago, I stood on that stage one more time as Miss Arizona, and I won, and that was kind of the highlight of my whole pageant career. So 10 years of work has cum- culminated into this this one moment. Wow, yeah, and having that title, I mean, the title that you have now, Miss United States, um, I mean, you must be, that must be incredible, that title, and I mean, how has that really affected you mentally? Because I'm sure that there's many people that look up to you and, you know, all of that. So, you know, how does that affect you mentally? Oh, my goodness, it it's really fun. And I really enjoy it because I've always been a a performer. And so most of what I've done, I've always thought that, oh, well, somebody's going to have to watch this or somebody will see this. So, you know, kind of always behaving in a way that you would want to be as a good example. But especially as Miss United States is really taking a whole new level of every move you make could be seen by somebody else. And of course, nobody's perfect, but, you know, you have to do your best with trying to make sure that you're setting a good example in all aspects and all areas of your life. So that's been a little bit difficult just because I also want to be raw and real and unapologetically Sam, but you have to polish it up just a little bit to be Miss United States. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. And, you know, I love your look and everything that you have. I mean, you really do so much. I mean, everybody that I have on this podcast, I mean, everyone's just so multi-talented and they have so much going for them. And I did want to dig into S by S Designs. Now, I was looking at that. And I wanted to ask you, what is that? SYS Designs is the fashion company or the fashion line inspired by my students' artwork. So by education, I'm a teacher. So I have my master's in education and I'm a Montessori teacher specifically. So I I love it. And I was a Montessori child myself. And I now am trained as a Montessori, as a Montessorian in the primary age group. So that means anywhere between two and a half and seven year olds could be in my classroom, which I really love. Yeah. Um, it does allow the older ones to kind of come into a 
a leadership role and a, accountability for such a young age is really awesome. And the younger ones really look up to them. And it's really fun to see the way those ages um, interact with one another and right. just the growing up in a community of that many mixed age groups is really lovely to see in the child development. And when I took over my classroom, it was July of 2020. And my school actually never closed once over COVID. It was a private school here in Blacksburg, Virginia. And because most of our parents are professors for the school here, Virginia Tech, they didn't really shut down either. I mean, the school itself went online, but the professors still had to teach. So they still had to have somewhere for their child to go. So my school stayed open. And even if it wasn't Montessori education at the time, the the children just had a safe place to go while their parents needed to work. So they were doing a lot of art and different things. And at that point, it was 2020. We just had to keep the circus under the tent. And that's just the best that you could do. So when I took over my classroom, I got a lot of artwork from my students. And I was like, I don't really know what to do with all of this. I don't want to throw it out because it's (laughs) like my first artwork from my kids, my first time teaching and everything. But then it just piled up and I thought, I've got to have something to do with this. So I turned it into a fashion line made for teachers by teachers inspired by their artwork. And it's supposed to be functional for teachers. So it's professional for the young ladies that want to wear something cute and fun, but also maintain a professional look. Uh, And it's also supposed to be teacher friendly so that if it's, if it gets markers and crayons and snot and everything else all over (laughs) it, you could just throw it straight in the wash and it doesn't have to be dry clean. You don't have to spend the extra money on any of that. And my favorite part of the company is actually the scholarship opportunities. So there's three scholarships. One of them is for Montessori education itself. So for schools to maybe buy for the schools to uh, buy more materials for their classroom or just have something to do a little bit of extra money because they are mostly private schools and charter schools, but I have seen Montessori public schools as well. So they might not always have the funding that they need. So this is just a little extra something for them to use. The second scholarship is for families who want to send their child to a Montessori school and it's costing a little bit more than what their budget deems uh, available. (laughs) And so this is a scholarship to alleviate some of that financial stress. And then my third one is for women entrepreneurs. I mean, I'm sure somebody else out there also has a dream and uh, they just need some capital to get it started. So it's, you know, once we're kind of up and running and we have the capital to do that, those will be the three main scholarships that SYS Designs will offer. Wow. And I love how it's art incorporated because, I mean, you never really see that and it's so beautiful. It's so heartfelt. And I I love that you incorporate that. I'm an artist myself. I'm an entrepreneur myself. And I just, I love, love, love that. I think it's so incredible. And I realized that, you know, in public schools, they have to deal with budget cuts and boards and everything else. And I know it goes far and above every teacher and every even school. It goes far and above the the county itself. And so when you have to cut an arts program or a music program or something like that, I realize that it's a necessary evil for mm-hmm. something that's going on far and above what I can understand. But I think it's really important to the development of the child is art and music and everything else in order to have a well-rounded citizen. Right. Yeah. So, you know, as best we can, keeping those in the programs is something that I've been very passionate about. I've been a violinist for 15 years now. Oh, wow. I started with piano and I've been playing violin ever since. And I love it. If I were to compete in a pageant that had a talent, I would be playing violin. So just the music and the arts in general is something I really love. It's important. Yeah. And I love, I I actually used to play piano and violin as well. So I can relate to that 100%. Oh my gosh. So moving on from that, I wanted to ask you just about, you know, your aviator 
journey. So when, so you said, so you are the daughter of two international pilots um, and you are a goddaughter of one too. So, you know, obviously it's been your bloodline forever. And so do you have your pilot's license now or are you still working on it? I have my student pilot's license now. So I've done two solos. It's kind of like a driver's permit of pilot's license. So I can do takeoffs and landings in the plane that I'm certified to fly in by myself. But if I wanted to go any further or in a different plane, or if I wanted to bring somebody with me, I'd have to have a licensed instructor with me. So I'm currently in flight school and I'm working towards my private pilot's license, but I do have two solos under my belt, which is kind of like the first level of license. Okay. Okay. And you are an advocate for women. Um, you know, you encourage young women, you know, to pursue a career in a mon- a male dominated field. So you do that. And how does that affect you? Because y- is it a dominant, is it a male dominated field? Oh, absolutely. It is. Yeah, uh, so, so for some airlines, I think it's actually Delta, their percentage of female pilots is the highest, but it's right. only okay. at 7%. And oh, it's just okay. because when you get toys as a child the girls get the dolls the boys get the trains the planes and the boats Mm -hmm. there's nothing necessarily wrong with that I just want to make sure that it's encouraged throughout a child's life that the boys can pick up the dolls and the girls can pick up the planes absolutely nothing wrong with that and I've seen many companies especially in the holiday season as they advertise different Barbie dolls or or things they've got Barbie pilots and as a kid I remember a Barbie airplane that I had and I really enjoyed it but yeah. the Barbie was the flight attendant. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And I had a little intercom system on this blue Barbie jet that I had. And I would get on the intercom and I would follow my mom's lead. I would say, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Our flight <laughs> to Shanghai is going to be 14 hours. We're going to fly this way. We're going to do that. And my first officer here is, I don't know, John Smith. And it was always to me that my mom was the captain as a lady and my, and my first officer was a man because my dad was a first officer. Right. But okay. that was just the way that I was raised. More often than not, you're going to hear, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking, and it's a gentleman's voice. And sometimes the first officer is a lady. Sometimes it's also another gentleman. So it's very common that it's just a male-dominated field. And that's fine. I remember wearing my mom's uniform with four bars on the shoulder on the epaulets because they, she was a captain. Oh. And as soon as my classmates and teachers saw that it was my mom's uniform, they asked a clarifying question. They said, are you sure it's a pilot's uniform and it's not a flight attendant's? And I was like, I'm pretty sure (laughs) it's a pilot's uniform. In fact, she's a captain of the 747. Thank you very much. But I would get worked up about it because they would just assume because it's my mom's uniform, it must not be a captain. I was like, I guarantee you she is more qualified. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. But that was the norm for me. And that was the norm for several of my friends and their moms. But that's not the norm for most children. So just being an right. advocate for women in aviation. And there's many scholarships available because flying is an expensive hobby. Yes. Uh, just scholarships in general for women in the male-dominated fields, women in STEM, women in STEAM. I particularly work with women in aviation just because I've been surrounded by it my whole life. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah planting the seeds in young aviators. It's wow. a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. And you're so right about that. Um, I, I actually did not know how male-dominated it actually was until you said that. Because, But now that you bring that up, that's so true. I mean, even with, you know, Barbie dolls and everything like that. I mean, yeah, this it really is. I feel like it has changed, though. And I'm sure you've seen that as well. Um, and we were just talking about that. But so you are up in the air quite some time. And that must be a very uh, crazy experience within itself. Um, I mean, you, so how often do you fly? Uh, about once a week. 
I'll oh, go up and okay. fly. Uh, That's so a let's lot. see. I guess last week I flew on Saturday, so just a couple days oh, ago. Wow. And then okay. I'll be flying Saturday as well. I'm going to take one of my friends up and for my birthday. I'm oh, going to wow. take her up and with my flight instructor. And so we're going to have a good time. It wow. is a weird feeling. I right, really I was gonna ask love <laughs> taking off. I think it's yeah. so fun because she's meant to fly. The plane is built, of course, to fly. Right. And so all you have to do is go fast enough. And I mean, two fingers worth of pressure on the yoke and she rises off the ground almost effortlessly. And wow. I think that's such a fun moment. Yeah. And then shortly after that really exhilarating moment, I have the, holy crap, there's nothing between me and the ground, but this engine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You have wow. a, quick, a quick freak out. I mean, there, there's a healthy fear associated with anything. I mean, people have their fears right. of spiders. They have their fears of snakes. They have their fears of the ocean. That's perfectly okay because there are some very dangerous things about life, but it's, it's a healthy fear of something right. to respect. You respect the ocean. You respect nature. You expect things that could hurt you. I have right. a healthy fear of flying, but it's a healthy yeah. fear knowing that what I'm about to do no pun intended there's some serious gravity to it there is the fact that I need to be in in tip-top shape for my mental capacity I need to be uh preparing properly for my flight I need to file a proper flight plan I need to pre-flight my airplane carefully I need to check in with my instructor and make sure that he's ready to go and just little things that you can do to make sure that you're going to be taking the safest flight you can and right. flying is a ton of fun and, you know, you have your fun with it, but it is a very serious thing to do. And oh, um, that's not without its own fears as well. I mean, people have a fear of, of anything and some people are afraid of flying. I don't necessarily have a, a fear of flying, but I do have a healthy respect for it because flying has hurt me a lot. Um, mm-hmm. When I was wow. 17, both my parents were killed in a plane crash and oh, wow. it took me eight months to get back in the cockpit, but I did. And so it hasn't stopped me, but it is something that weighs quite heavily on me, realizing that this sport, this thing that I love doing, took my family from me. And it could happen to anybody. It could happen. It was a freak thing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the engine. There was nothing wrong with my parents. There was no, you know, heart attack or anything else that would have caused a freak accident. It was just a freak accident. So, I mean, understanding that I have to be prepared for the worst, but hope for the best. Well, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um... Wow. Yeah. And I, I mean, it, it amazes me how you were, you are in the cockpit now and, and you really are uh, owning that legacy and, and carrying that on despite what did happen. Um, that's an amazing thing. Uh, I know if, if I, I mean, I'm sure many, many people would be afraid. And I mean, I'm sure you still have days where, you know, you are afraid and mm-hmm. you, you, you are fearful of it. Um, but you, it is in your bloodstream you know, do you ever have that feeling like it's something that you were born to do, like you were meant to do? I I wonder that sometimes. I Mm -hmm. don't know. I think there's many things that somebody is meant to do. You're meant to, I don't know, fly or have fun or make a difference in some way. Um, When I was a kid, I never wanted to be a pilot. I just thought that I would get my pilot's license to have it in my back pocket, but I was an educator. I was a teacher from the beginning. I've always wanted to be a teacher. I loved it. And I just thought, well, I'll just have a, I'll have a pilot's license just for funsies because I can. And yeah. I think I'm still a teacher and I'm still in flight school. So I still do it for fun and for joy. I don't know that I'd ever work for the airlines, but maybe a smaller corporate jet company of some kind that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. But I do wonder if it's, you know, meant to be in some way, just because I was surrounded by it all the time. I thought, well, there's nothing. Right. I don't know that I want to follow my, my parents' footsteps. They both worked for the airlines and they were gone a lot. And that was just right, yeah. a fact of life that it never bothered me. 
but mm-hmm. I just always thought that maybe I didn't want that t- particular type of lifestyle. But the older mm-hmm. I get uh, and the more fun I think flying is, the more I think, you know, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And I guarantee you, my parents never worked a day in their lives. They loved flying yeah. so yeah. much that they did yeah. it for a job. And then they came home and taught me how to do it. Wow. So um, by that token, maybe I will just keep flying because it's fun. And then I'll never have to actually work. I'll just keep hanging out with planes all day. Hey, yeah. So and I, I love how you, you know, the serious aspect and the fun aspect, because they, they balance each other out. Um, and I'm sure you feel that way, too. Um, you know, so all, in all seriousness, I, I mean, how difficult is it? I'm sure many, many people would be curious to know how difficult is it actually flying an airplane? There's a lot of things to keep track of. Uh, I mean, you have a checklist and every plane is a little bit different. So each plane has a unique checklist with it. So even when I walk up to the aircraft and I look into the cockpit and I get my checklist out, I've already begun my pre-flight. So I'll use my checklist to get my pre-flight. I'll check my wings. I'll check my engine. I'll check my fuel, check my landing gear, my tires, everything else. And then when I get in the cockpit, just start the plane. There's a series of levers and things to move to get the plane to start that's a checklist as well and so from that sense it is difficult but from the sense of everything's hard when you start it Uh, a math problem that was difficult I mean that's what I tell my students is that when you learn how to do this you thought it was hard at the beginning but now you think it's easy and as with anything else riding a bike you start with your training and it was hard and then Mm -hmm. now it's second nature and you truly never forget how to ride a bike you get right back on it again in your 30s and it's no different than when you started it's the same thing for flying I think um, it's difficult because there's a lot to keep track of. I'm talking to the right. tower. I'm talking to ground control. I'm talking to air traffic control. Yeah. I'm trying to make sure a lot of my, responsibility. my engines yeah. the way it should be. My throttles the way I want it to be. Um, my airspeed looks good. I'm listening for my tail number in case they need to tell me that they're the tower needs to tell me that there's other traffic in the area. I'm looking outside. I'm checking my instrument panel, making sure my altitude looks good. And if it changes, then I'm calling the tower, letting them know that I've made a change with whatever it is that I want to do. So there's a lot of things to do. But first and foremost, you have to fly. You have to fly the plane. Then you navigate. So you check your maps or whatever you need to do. And then you communicate. So I communicate to the tower what my intentions are. They communicate back to me. And then I'm always listening in the background for my tail number in case they have information for me. It's a lot to keep track of. Yeah. <laughs> wow. To yeah, some people, it's second nature. And it's yeah. becoming more second nature to me as I get further and further into my flight training. Like, I look at my instructor okay. sometimes and I'm thinking, Logan, how are you doing this? <laughs> Yeah. that's just ah that's so much yeah. and then I'll realize that I'm halfway through something I'm like oh I've done that on autopilot like my body just did it because I'm used yeah. to it now so I'm wow. seeing slowly that it is becoming second nature to me but it's a lot it's hard yeah yeah I'm sure yeah I mean I I know I would never be able to do that <laughs> so I give you so much so many props for that um and even even just like your overall message with with what you're doing um I find that so inspiring, uh, not not only to women, but as human, because you are, again, you're creating this legacy within not only yourself, but really your family as well. And I really, really think that's such a, such a beautiful thing. And you should be very, very proud of yourself. Well, thank you. The legacy is, I mean, Flying was my mom's life's work. My mom and godmother were among the first women to be hired by a major airline. 
mm-hmm. I call her Aunt Bev, Beverly Bass, is the, was the first female captain for American Airlines. She's a super cool lady. She's awesome. Uh, there's a play about her called Come From Away. But the cool thing is Aunt Bev flew Kristen Chenoweth the other day. And the oh, article God. was how cool it was that Kristen got to meet Aunt Bev, not the other way around. Oh. And I was like, that's how you know that I've been surrounded by really cool people my entire yeah. life. The first women to do anything. I mean, just over Veterans Day, I was in Ohio for a, a book launch for a friend whose grandmother was a women Air Force service pilot, which is unheard of. There was only a little over a thousand of them. And this uh, girl that I became friends with, she wrote a book about her grandmother's story. And mm-hmm. while I was there for the book launch, I was hanging out with the first F-16 pilot that's a mom. Oh. It's so cool that this... Um, yeah. It's unfortunate that it's taken so long for ladies to break their way into this career, but right. I think it is really cool that I'm in the grouping with women that are still the first of something. The yes. first Black female pilot, the first Black pilot, the first uh, F-16 mom pilot, the first women Air Force service pilots, the first women in the military that were able to fly, the first of everything. So on the one hand, I'm kind of upset that it's taken so long for people to acknowledge women in these fields. But on the other hand, if they had acknowledged them so much earlier, I wouldn't get to be in the class of the first, or I wouldn't be able to make friends with the first of. So walking with this living history of women, I think is so cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's like amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's incredible. And I did want to ask you just about your overall message. I mean, you did mention it before and, and, you know, you mentioned what your purpose really is, but what is something that you really want people to just take away from you? Uh, For me, I guess, oh my gosh, there's a lot of it. So uh, for one, I would say resilience. I mean, life is going to knock you down, whether you've already had your almost defining moment of whatever it is that knocked you down. Some folks have um, a really terrible relationship or maybe there's a bad divorce in there. Maybe they've lost a sibling or a friend or something else. And in my case, it happens to be that my parents were killed when I was in high school. Um, Whether you have it now early in life or you have it a little bit later on, um, there's going to be something that's going to knock you down and you just have to get right back up and keep going and keep flying, get back in the cockpit, get back on the horse yeah. and keep going. And so I guess that's one of the messages that I have. And the other one would be hold space for women and hold space for everybody. Yeah, Everybody's going through something. Just be gracious and kind and yeah, uh, take it easy and, and offer grace and patience yeah. to others. But, yeah. And compassion, that's a great word for it. But then in particular, holding space for women in things that they may have been told they can't do. Mm -hmm. So as a teacher, I try and make sure that um, my children are always hearing positive things. And if I have to give a constructive criticism, I also couple it with a few other things so that they're not hounded down by one bad thing. And then I can offer them some encouragement so that they're, so that I'm not one more person telling them that, that they can't. And unfortunately there are people that are still telling young kids and especially young women that you can't do something because of your gender or the way that you look or your sexuality or something else you're being told that you can't and I want to be the person that is holding space for somebody and telling them that they can so that if somebody comes to me and says I want to do this then I say great let's do it how do you want to go about it or how can I make it easier for you so just paving the way and holding space that when somebody who is ready and says, I've been told that I can do this I want to do it and I said great hop on board let's keep going yeah yeah, well, wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, I love I love that mindset. I I think, especially in your in your case, I mean, yeah, people they'll deal with things in their lives that aren't very good, you know, and it takes them a minute to really get back into the groove of things and really just navigate their life. But you truly are 
navigating your life and you are doing it by flying, you know? And I think that that's just so beautiful. Literally and figuratively. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. And I just, it's just so, so, so incredible to see. So I have a few more questions to ask you before I let you go. I know you're busy, but uh, no worries. I'm <laughs> off today. Today is a relaxing oh, day. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's it's just an errands day. So I've got two podcast interviews, a hair appointment, and then oh, wow. I'm just, I'm honestly relaxing and I am for the weekend to celebrate my birthday, but other than that, oh. we are good. So I'm on no time crunch. <laughs> it oh, feels happy early birthday. Thank you so oh, much. That's incredible. So, okay. So what would you say is, and I asked everybody on my podcast, what would you say is one word or quote that you live by? And I know we kind of like just discussed this, <laughs> but is there anything that just sticks out to you, whether it's within your teaching or just flying or whatever it is? Uh, I had a middle school principal that used to tell me, this is a quote that he always used was good, better, best, never let it rest until your good is better and your better is your very, very best. And <laughs> I loved it when Mr. Molinar said that. His grandson was in my class in middle school, and I frequently heard it uh, as a coach and as a principal and just in education in general. There are going to be days that you are absolutely not at your best, and that is okay. And I do feel that, unfortunately, the, the hustle culture is great, but it can also mean that you're not spending time doing what you want to do. And if you're not in fifth gear going all the time, you're failing. And while I do agree that you absolutely do need to give your best all the time, it is okay to let back on the throttle a little bit and take some time for yourself. So I would, uh, I like that quote a lot to do your best in all that you are doing and give your 110%, but also give yourself grace and patience and the same compassion that I hope that you hold for somebody else. Also give it to yourself because there are going to be days that you're absolutely not at your best and you're not perfect, but that's okay. Uh, I love that. I love that. And my last question to ask you would be, what has, you know, really life taught you, you know, what would you say is, you know, one of life's biggest lessons for you? Man, uh, faith and independence, Mm -hmm. uh, being a Montessori child myself, I was always an independent person, just Montessori fostered that in me, but also having parents that were international pilots, you can't just call your mom and say, Hey mom, where's this mom? Where's that dad? Where's this? Uh, no, my mom's on a 14 hour flight to Seoul and my dad's in Philly and then Cabo and Denver and then back home. So there's no calling your parents with every little question. So independence was a big thing that I had. And of course, losing my parents so young, independence was Mm -hmm. something that I, I had, but it was really fostered, uh, during that trying time. And another part that got me through all of that was my faith. And I knew that, you know, it doesn't really matter what religion you are or if you choose anything. It, uh, my faith is what got me through it. So I knew that my parents were, were strong Christians and they raised me in the same way and that God won't bring you to it if he can't bring you through it. So um, wow. it, it sucked and it was awful, but yeah. it was meant to be in some way. And that was their time. And wow. I would much yeah. rather them go doing something that they loved than it's something else. So if it wasn't the plane crash and if I had gone with them and it wasn't my time to go with them, then it would have been something else where just the two of them were alone. There was something for me to gain or something for me to learn by this happening. And that's kind of the way that you deal with such a tragedy. Yeah. Wow. That's a very um, beautiful way of of viewing that. Um, I, I've dealt with things like that in my life. Um, Not as severe as that, but I love that you do truly see the glass half full and not many people do that. Not many people will um, 
want to see the glass half full, but you very much do. And again, I, I mean, from woman to woman, I mean, you are incredible. You are really just doing everything that you've wanted to do. And again, that is just so admirable on so many levels for me. So Samantha, this has been an amazing conversation. And again, thank you so, so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate your patience with my technological difficulties, but I'm glad we were able to make it happen. And I have to say your art's beautiful. I had no idea that you were drawing anything until I saw a figure on Instagram and I thought, that looks like me. (laughs) And I was like, wait, that is me. She tagged me in it. I just didn't see it. Cool. So I think you're a really gifted artist. I think it's all. I wish you the best with all of your entrepreneurial endeavors. Oh, thank you so much.